1: Pride
2: simply says this, I want my way, I don't care if I run over you, because as long as I get my way, that's all that matters. You see, disobedience is actually pride. Humility is an act of dependence. Everything I have from God is a gift from God. Oh, yes, I work hard, but God arranges all the circumstances and everything I have is a gift. So how can I not be dependent and humble?
0: Pride limits a person's ability to give, serve, be taught, and live with joy. Today, Pastor Mark challenges listeners to cut out their pride and eliminate the things which hinder their walk with Christ. Jesus compared the humility needed to enter heaven to that of a child young children, while they still possess a sin nature, are not often full of pride like some adults. By recognizing the gifts and blessings that you do have in life, this comes only courtesy of your Father in Heaven. You can begin to look at life with a mindset focused more on others and less on pleasing self. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message entitled Change is Required.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons Trust
2: and dependence, which are characteristics of a child and their innocence, lead to an attitude. Of humility you see a young child doesn't walk in the room at seven and go like I'm the greatest they just walk in the room and start hanging together playing together now later that sin nature comes out doesn't it and why did the sin nature come out because you gave it to them they were born with you well our kids have a sin nature because they came through Linda and they came through me but initially they don't have that they're humble so what's the third character trait? Well, it comes out of trust and it comes out of dependence. The third character trait is humility. It's humility. I'll define it for you in a moment. Now, here's where you have to get your thinking cap on. We are talking about little children, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But we're also now, Jesus expands this in the original language. It's expanded to more than a little child. It's all of us as children of God that are humble followers. So notice this definition. The child from now on, it does apply to a five, six, seven, eight year old, but it applies to you if you're a Christian and it applies to me. A child, all humble followers. Of Jesus, who live like the children of God. So, as we see child now, it's not just a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old, it's you and it's me. That brings us to our second change that's required. Change is required to be useful in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is going to expand this. The problem we have in the Christian world quite often. Some of you come from this kind of a background, where all you do is get saved, and it really doesn't matter what happens the rest of your life. You just go through the religious ritual, the deal. But Jesus isn't going to say that at all. In fact, Paul makes it exquisitely clear that once I'm born again, there's a second step. It's not just a convert; it's a disciple. Here's the second step found in Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Now, I want us to read just this last part. Here's the way we're going to do it. And he chose Mark to become like his son. We're going to read it, but I want you to put your name in there. Here we go. He chose... Not that You're too slow. Here we go. He chose Mark to become like his son. So you've been chosen... Not just to be born again, but to become like him. How do I do it? We've already given you three steps. Faith, dependence, and humility. Now what does that humility, funny word, kind of sound like it? By the way, why is he talking to his disciples? Let me ask you a question. If you're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, do they have humility? Humility? No, the farthest thing from it all they're concerned about is themselves you see that's what the opposite of humility is pride pride only thinks of self ask who you've been thinking about this week because pride is ugly and it's in me and it's in you you say it's not in me you already (laughs) sinned it is in you and it's ugly Here's a visual picture of how pride works in our life. If you take a pair of binoculars, and you know how they're supposed to work, and you reverse them, and you point that as God, and God becomes, watch me, God becomes very small. But you become very big. That's pride. Humility is the way binoculars are supposed to work. The picture on this end is very big. That's God. Me on this end, very small. That's what it means. Now, let me give a definition of humility and pride and how they counteract with each other. Pride is having too big a view of self and too small a view of God. God. You see, I will never be dependent if I can do it myself. So Jesus says to his disciples, hey, you're not thinking about the kingdom of God, you're thinking about yourself. How can I take care of me? Pride then leads to overconfidence, cocky attitude, self-wisdom. Pride simply says this, I want my way, I don't care if I run over you. Because as long as I get my way, that's all that matters. You see, disobedience is actually pride. Humility is an act of dependence. Everything I have from God is a gift from God. Oh yes, I work hard, but God arranges all the circumstances and everything I have is a gift. So how can I not be dependent and humble? Jim Symbala from the Brooklyn Church says this, God is attracted to weakness He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need Him. Do you realize how desperately you need God today? If Jesus Christ had not come and died on the cross, there's not a person in this room that has a chance of going to heaven. I need Him desperately. I need Him this afternoon. And see, if I don't go with that, that doesn't make me like a nobody. All I think of myself is less Certainly God's gifted you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the counteracting of that is John 15, 5. Without him, I can do nothing. So it's a wonderful balance that the disciples hadn't come to know yet. You and I have to have that. That's got to be part of our life. Understand what that looks like. Pride is ugly to God because it makes him small and it makes me big. Look at verse 6. Jesus goes on, but if anyone causes one of these little ones, which would include the five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old, and new believers, Christians, causes any one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That big millstone... Put around the neck that the animal would take that that's kind remember the old Har- laurel and Hardy movies where they put them in cement and threw them in the water well jews hated water they hated the thoughts of drowning jesus says if if you offend and cause one of these little ones who believe watch me who believe not to believe woe to you Look at the next verse. He says, he says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom... The... So Jesus says, he's holding the child. This is very serious. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, we're not going to spend a lot of time with it, but if you miss this, you misunderstand the focus of this church and the focus of the Bible. Look at verse 6. Little ones who believe in me... Pastor Mark, are you saying a five, six, seven, eight-year-old little one can believe in Jesus and be born again? Am I? Absolutely. That's just what Jesus said. Don't ever minimize children coming to salvation at a young age. So you can write it like this. Little children can and do believe in Jesus. Guys... I was five when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. Did I know everything? Here's what I knew. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It was good enough. It's lasted. Now, if you come to me and say, my two-year-old who can't talk yet has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, no, there's a little problem. They have to be a little older. But don't expect them. Remember, it requires what? Simple belief. So you say, well, I don't think a child until they're 15. 15 is way too late. You see, a child is open, sensitive to hear the things of God. Don't minimize that. What does it mean to sin? Notice he says, cause one of these little ones to sin. The word means to stumble or to fail. It means a person can cause the faith and trust in God of a little one to be harmed. So they become cynical, so they don't trust anymore. Now, you and I would think today, well, what would that be today? Yes, it is true. Child molesters, child pornography. You know, and I see some of these programs where adults kidnap kids at five and three and put them on the internet. It makes me sick, doesn't it, you? But let me show you how you and I can cause our kids to sin in the same way. You see, Jesus is speaking to pastors, myself, elders, teachers, spiritual leaders. He's speaking to parents because we've been given a responsibility to see that our children are instructed in the ways of God. Parent, grandparent, Sunday school teacher, we are to see that we protect our children from all the evil influences that are around our world. No, we don't put them in a huddle and take them out of the world. Jesus says, stay in the world. But we have to protect our children from the educational system that's getting more ungodly by the moment. We have to protect our children from the ungodly entertainment that's out there. Parent, you need to know who your children's friends are. You need to understand who they're hanging with. You cannot, as a parent, have a 12-year-old and say to you, you need to go to your room now. It's 1030 at night. Mom and I have rented an R-rated video, and we're going to watch it. You're too young to watch it. You have just begun to destroy the faith of your 12-year-old. It's time to get practical. Practical. And let me just say this to you as parents. The greatest way to show that God is real is if you as a husband love your wife as Christ loved the church. Same for grandparents, not as much trouble because we probably learned that. But if you tear down your spouse in front of your kids, you're destroying your kid's faith that God can make a marriage that's happy. How can we do that? And we counsel people constantly with this. Shape up this morning. Let God make you real in your life. Because you're not only making you miserable, but you're destroying the future of your children. And Jesus said, Woe to you. Pastor Mark, I never have an R rated movie. I wouldn't swear in front of my kid. But some of the things you do destroy their faith. How do I do it differently? When they come home from Sunday school, ask them what they studied. Don't just go, nice picture. Sit down with them. Spend some time. Turn the television off. And say to your kids, what'd you learn? By the way, you might learn something really good from them. Do you know that? Because they're learning the Bible. Man, it's awesome. Spend time with them. Invest in them. Jesus says, woe to you. So Jesus goes on, and, well, he kind of gives us, he, he says, don't be this stumbling stone. Not just the children. Remember, this children means all Christians. So here's something you want to write down. It applies to you and me, and I don't have time to go into it today, but it means this. A humble Christian is a stepping stone and not a stumbling block. You see, if, if, if I treat my spouse wrong, I'm stumbling my kids. Let's say in the church. Let me give you an example. Romans 14 tells us that there's a lot of gray areas in life. Some black, some white, some things you can do, some you can't do. And we all have different backgrounds. I, I came from a background that pretty much when you became a member of this church, you had to sign this card. Everything was, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. How many remember those cards? You remember those cards? I don't know how we got out of that. Hallelujah. Because that's not what Christianity is about. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Because you watched all those people they were miserable their whole life. See, Christianity is really, I do, isn't it? It's abundant life. It's not horrible. It's great. But what do I do with these gray areas? Let me just give you a clue this morning. As an adult, as a pastor, I have to be very careful. I can stumble people in things that really don't matter. It's not a big issue, but for them it is. So Linda and I, the other pastors, the elders, we take the higher road. In many things, we just don't do these kind of things, just so I won't stumble somebody. That is humble. Humble. So Pastor Mark, I'm not going to think about anybody else stumbling them. Forget it. I'm free. That's pride. Because all you're thinking about is yourself. No, I have a responsibility. Remember what Jesus said last week? He said, do I owe the money? No, I don't owe the money. But not to stumble them. We're going to pay the money. Do you got it? That's a mature Christian. Now, as you look at that... And again, I don't have time to go there. Just understand, if I cause another Christian to stumble, that's a serious thing. Now, I'm not going to be perfect, but God says to me, no, don't cause them to stumble. Do something different. Look on the overhead. Hebrews 10, 24. I love this verse. I think this is so exciting because you guys are good at it, and I try to be good at it. Instead of stumbling Christians, instead of trying to get over and saying, well, is this really right? Is this really wrong? I'm Forget that stuff. It's, it's minor. Just go and do the major deals. I want you to read this verse with me. Here we go. Let us think of ways to, all right, you got to put a little emphasis on motivate when you get there, okay? So here we are again. Let us think of motivate people. That motivated me a lot to make you say it again. All right, here we go. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So instead of trying to think only about me, notice who I'm thinking about. Others. How can I motivate you to do better with God? That's my goal. Jesus said to his disciples, Woe to you. Well, they're going to feel better about that. Yeah, after because they're going to be teachable. So, say, Pastor Mark, I don't have time to sit with my kid. Make time. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, as you see that you guys are doing good, we come to our fourth kind of character trait. It's a strange one, moving from humility, but the fourth character trait is self-discipline. Already, we don't like the word. Discipline. We like the word self, but we don't like it when we put it together. Look what Jesus says, and I'm going to ask you to circle a couple things in verse 8. If, circle this, your hand or your foot causes, circle this, you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet And be thrown into the eternal, into the eternal what? Fire. Verse 9. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of what? Hell. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. I tell you that there are angels in heaven, always see the face of my Father in heaven. So Jesus gives us another, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, not only do you have to enter heaven, but if you're going to be useful in the kingdom, you're going to have to have some self-discipline. And he uses this illustration that you and I have to be disciplined enough to remove the source of temptation in my life. That would cause me to sin. This isn't about somebody else now. Not woe to me that I'm causing this child to sin or another Christian to sin. This is me. This is self-discipline. Jesus says here, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Well, let me ask you a question. Can a blind man or a blind woman lust? Can they? Well, sure they can. So we already know that Jesus hasn't got like this extreme makeover. We're going to chop hands and arms. and what It's like CSI image deal here. What's that Christian over there? No arms, no hands, no eyes. Great Christian. Really good. Took care of the sin problem.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Sure. Would they take care of the sin problem? By the way, let me ask you a question. You cut off your arms. You cut off your legs. You cut off your ears. You cut off your eyes. And you cut off your tongue. Would take care of the sin problem? No, what would take care of the sin problem? Cut out your heart. Because it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the eyes. So Jesus isn't talking about this manipulation or mutilation of people. He's saying to his disciples, hey, the problem is not your eyes, your hands, your feet. It's your heart. Colossians says this, put to death, you put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is up because the wrath of God is coming. And here's what happens. As we're going through life, because of the way the world is, being squeezed into its mold, every one of us in this room takes sin too lightly. And i got a great book I'm reading that I'm going to deal with you later. See, much of the time, all we talk about sin is things that we shouldn't do. And that is true. These are the ones we're talking about this morning. I have a whole new thing, and I don't know when I'm going to work it in, but God's dealing with me because I'm reading an interesting book. Much of the sin that's in our lives is things we should do, but we don't. Not just things that we shouldn't do and we do, but things we should do and we don't. I mentioned one a while ago, challenge for me as a husband. I should love my wife as I love the church. See, that's something I should do. Now, if I don't do that, eh? so what? No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's a sin just as much as if I would commit adultery on my wife. You see, we have this thing, if, if it's bad and I do it, it's a sin, but if it's good and I'm supposed to do it, I don't do it, no big deal. No, that's not true. So understand here, Jesus takes sin seriously in my life. Because what is the outcome if I don't take care of sin in my life? It had the word fire around it twice. Notice the statement you want to write. It's stupid to write it, but it makes a lot of sense. Hell is real. Heaven's real. We learned that. Jesus says, hell is real. I don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell.
0: Today, Pastor Mark spoke in depth about the value of a childlike humility. Young children, while they can still find themselves in trouble, are often far more humble than even a mature man or woman. The life and teachings of Jesus showed us what a humble, devoted Christian looked like. Trust and dependence on the Lord, just like a child's trust and dependence on its parent will lead you to a proper attitude of humility. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Jesus takes sin very seriously. He wants you to rid your life of anything that causes you to consistently disobey His Word. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach on the importance of self-discipline and compassion. As you begin to clean your life of sin, a greater appreciation of Christ's love will arise. This love, which was so undeservedly given to you, should inspire you to show that same compassion to others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: in a